Boy, wasn't that wonderful? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are looking forward to and anticipating God continuing to bless, to encourage, and to speak to us. And with our, uh, our Women of Grace Ensemble, he has already done that. So thank you very much, ladies. This is the very first time that you've been here. We'd love for you to take an opportunity to take the card that is in the pew in front of you and just fill it out and drop it in one of the offering boxes as you leave. We would certainly want to reach out to you this, this next week. And as uh, our members here, we'd love for you just to make sure you're making connections, you're saying hi to some folks around you, and that would be a great anticipation. Fellowship is part of who we are as not only First Baptist Church, Sun City West, but also as a family of faith. Join me in prayer. We're going to continue our fellowship. We're going to continue our worship. And we're going to hear about revival today. Father, thank you for the opportunity and the time that you've given us this morning to come. Already to have the sense of understanding of praise as we've been led in worship. And Father, as we sing together the songs of the faith, as we hear the words from our heart as we sing, God, I pray that you would take that as an aroma of praise. It is an exciting day, a focus of what revival is and, Father, what it means to each one of us. And I pray that the power of your Spirit would speak boldly to each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Shine, Jesus, shine, fill the land with the Father's glory. Would you stand as we sing together?
We're now going to see a brief video from Asante Church. We have been partnering with that church startup for several years now, and they have an update for us. Good morning, First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Alex Dennis here with Jacob Stevenson at Asante Church in Surprise, Arizona. We want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Over the past few years, you have been a mother church to us. Your love, your support, your encouragement has sustained us as a church. This morning, we want to give you a gift of a little update of all the things God's been doing at Asante Church. This Easter, we held two services for the very first time, and it was an amazing Sunday where we saw over 250 people in attendance, lots of new families. Uh, three people gave their life to the Lord, and some of these families are getting plugged into the church now, and so it was a great Sunday for us to celebrate uh, what Jesus is doing in our community. Also, over the past year, we've been walking alongside five different people as they move towards making a public profession of faith in baptism. And so this morning, we have a little video recap of that to celebrate those decisions with you. rejoicing in what we have just seen. Father, we're so grateful for your love for us and for the way, God, that you continue to work throughout this world. Father, we thank you for Asante Church, for the relationship that we have with them, Father, that we've been able to uh, walk alongside of them, and God, for the great work that they are doing there, for these souls, Father, that have come to know you. We're so grateful. Father, this morning now, I thank you for our time together as a church family. God, I pray right now for each of us that you would calm our spirits, still our hearts and our minds. Father, help us as we continue to praise you and worship you this morning. Lord, we look at our world and sometimes we can become discouraged. But Father, your son said, fear not and take courage for I have overcome the world. And Lord, through our love for you and our giving of ourselves and sacrificing our hearts and our, our worship, Father, that we might be the light always that shines throughout this world. 
Father, help us as we look to our community. Father, that we might see those souls, Lord, that are lost, that need you so badly. That, that God, that we might have the courage always to stand up for you, to speak your words, God, that many might come to know you. And we pray especially this morning for our service, for our pastor, as he brings our message on revival. God, I pray for each of us, every single one of us, that we would allow you to bring revival into our hearts. Father, let it begin with us. We thank you for every blessing that you give to us. We thank you that you are our great God and that you love us so much. And Father, I just pray that we might be cognizant in these times when there's turmoil and there's anger, there's division. God, again, help us to be your light, to walk among the peoples of the world, God, that we might share you with all. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Some years ago, Russell Frager wrote a beautiful hymn entitled, Holy Spirit, Rain Down. Holy Spirit, rain down, O comforter and friend, how we need your touch again. Let's sing.
many of you victory in Jesus. I encourage you to stand if you're comfortable doing so again as we sing. There's victory in Jesus. I
Good morning, church family. Our scripture reading for today is from Psalm 85, verse 6, and 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. Please follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Psalm 85, 6. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? And this familiar verse from Chronicles. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and give us understanding hearts, for these are the words of the Lord.
Thank you, Celestial Handbells. They are beautiful, aren't they? Beautiful music. Well, this morning, I wanted to talk about revival. And uh, there's a lot of different vantage points on what revival is. We use the term a lot. We pray. In the Watchman Prayer Ministry, our focus is on praying for revival and spiritual awakening in uh, our community, our church, our community. Uh, our nation and around the world there's a difference between revival and spiritual awakening sometimes there are different ideas of what revival is I uh, <clears throat> one of my prized possessions is uh, is a 1813 copy of George Whitfield's uh, memoirs and uh, as I kind of peruse through that book it's interesting how God used this man uh, he was an 18th century uh, preacher for the Church of England. Uh, he was a great preacher in the church. Uh, his sermons were eloquent. Somewhere along the line, in the earlier days, he became convinced through his studies that salvation was by faith and faith alone and not the church. And so a dialogue began between the Church of England and what he was preaching in the various pulpits as he communicated the faith. And finally, he was ordered to cease preaching such heresy. And when he refused, he was driven from the cathedral. And so he began preaching on a grassy knoll in Kingswood. Within a few weeks, there were more than 20,000 who began to come, the outside preaching of the Word of God, outside the building. It's interesting, as I was reading in the memoirs, said that their singing of that many people could be heard two miles away, and his preaching could be heard a mile away. There would be so many carriages 
that they had to put them off, way off to the side because they needed to make room for the numbers of people that were coming to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, thousands were saved. And even more thousands were inspired to live their Christian faith boldly and in true life. Revival, in that sense, had come to England. There we find a combination for the foundation of spiritual awakening and revival. So the question is, what is revival today? When we talk about that, what does it mean? What do we say? Well, for many of us, sometimes we might get a little confused because we say, well, revival is going to be either one or two weeks during the year, maybe in the fall or maybe in the spring. We're going to have revival. Anybody ever say that? <laughs> well, those are revival services. Those are times set aside, whether they be in a church or whether they be in a Old Brush Harbor or some tent revivals that we've had or whether they be in... Um, in camp meetings, we would always bring in a revival choir, have a guest uh, lead, leader of music, <coughs> and evangelists would come in, and they would be held every single night, maybe for one week, maybe for two weeks, as, as well as on the weekends. Those were revivals, revival services. True revival is actually what happens during those services in the lives of the people of God and the lives of those who were lost. So when we talk about revival, what I really want to focus in on is how it relates to us individually and as the body of Christ. True revival. I think there are two things that I want to try to bring out this morning. <coughs> First, revival is something that happens to believers. 2 Chronicles 7.14 that uh, uh, Luann read, a very familiar passage, If my people who were called by my name. Solomon had just dedicated the temple of, uh, to God. And in the midst of that, God spoke. And if uh, I had read uh, uh, the 13th verse, you would have found uh, some very interesting terminology that God says. Basically, if all of these difficult things these judgments begin to happen and if you take note of that and you change your course then I'm going to do some amazing things and that's where the 14th verse comes in he says listen I am happy to bring revival to the to the people of Israel if their hearts are right if they really are focused upon me oh if you become disobedient and you're doing your own thing and you make the connection between what you're doing and the judgment and you say God I want to come back to you as an individual or as a people of God he says this is how you're going to do it <coughs> I heard a preacher years and years ago who said you cannot be revived unless you're vibed So I had to look that up. Vive means live or long life. The word re means back or returning to the previous state again or over again. And so when you put all of that together, revive 
It means to restore to life, to regain life, to have new strength or energy. It is a rekindling of the spiritual renewal within your life. And so revival, in its strictest sense, well, it's for the people of God. Charles Finney said, a revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. A new beginning. Where you weren't doing what God wanted in its entirety, but now you have the opportunity for a new beginning. Nancy Lee DeMoss said, Revival is not just an emotional touch. It is a complete takeover. Sometimes, if you've been to revivals like I have, your emotions get stirred up. And you're just as happy as you can be for a period of time. But that, that is not true revival. True revival is what actually changes you. It rekindles you. And to focus upon a, as she said, a complete takeover of God. He now, again, is once again the Lord of your life. J.I. Packer, I think, said it well when he said, Revival is the visitation of God which brings to life Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness. Thence springs a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of heart and repentance, praise and love with an evangelistic outflow. It changes us. It brings us back to life. It gives us an understanding of what happened to us those years ago and can be rekindled. So it is exclusive, revival is. It is exclusive to God's people. It's confined to God's people, true revival. Again, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from his wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. There are four sincere things that a believer must do to experience this type of revival. And that's what God said to Solomon. He was saying it to the people of Israel. I believe that we could take those same elements and put them into our own lives in the 21st century. I believe these are key elements for God to bring about a mighty movement, but they've got to be sincere. He says that you've got to humble yourselves. That is not an easy thing for us to do. In the environment where we take a lot of, well, maybe not us, but a lot of selfies, <laughs> where the focus on so many things is just about what I want, what we have to do is humble ourselves and say, you know what, it's all about God. And sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I, I, I'm looking at things that I want or things that is better for me in my mind my desires and I've kind of lost touch with that idea that I've got to humble myself and realize that he is the only one I humble myself because I I realize that he is the creator and I'm the cre creation I don't tell God what to do I need him to be the Lord of my life because he has his very best interest for me so we need to humble ourselves and sometimes that is not easy to do because we all have strong opinions about things. We all think, if I were God, I could, would do this, or I would create this, or I'm not sure why God isn't doing this. 
In reality, we just have to say, God, I don't understand a lot of things, but I want you to know that I am submitting to you completely. Then he says to pray, to pray to God. This is an idea that says, okay, it's not my will, but God, I want your will to be done. It's reminiscent of what Jesus prayed before he went on the cross. The Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, I don't really want this, but if it be your will, let this pass. And he realized it's not what his will is, and so not my will, but yours be done. That's what we need to pray. Pray that, God, you're the only one that can clean up this mess in my life and this mess in the world in which we live. And so we pray. We turn to the only one who can do that. And then to seek his face. To seek his face means that we want to be real with God. We want to be transparent. Reality is that God knows every thought that we have. He knows every crevice of our heart. He knows everything about us. Everything. So it's not like we're trying to inform him of anything because he already knows the reality is we're seeking his face because he's holy. And we're submitting to his holiness and we know that he is God. And we just want to be obedient to him. And then he says to turn from our evil or our sinful ways. It is an idea of repentance. When Isaiah came before the presence of God, he says, Woe is me. For I am a sinner. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. It's not a diversion to the people because he said it about himself first. He realized there's the holy God. I'm, I'm not him. And as much as I try to live the way he wants me to live, the reality is when I come before the presence of God and seek his holy face, it changes us. Like Moses, the burning bush. Like Moses, when he met God and he gave him the Ten Commandments, he shined, his face was different. That's what happens to us when we turn from our sinful ways, when we come face to face with God, when we seek his face, his will for our lives. And all of a sudden, all of this stuff in our lives can be burned away when we ask him to forgive us. And we can begin to walk with him. And he says, and if you do that with sincerity, then I'll hear. I mean, I'm going to listen to you because you're coming before me in humility. And I'm going to hear with the idea of action. And I will forgive. It is a statement of fact. I will forgive. You don't have to question that. You don't have to wonder, well, is he really going to do that for me? Because, you know, I'm pretty messy right now. No, he says, if you do these things, I will hear because you're coming in humility and I'm going to forgive, eradicate that sin. It's going to be gone. And then he says, I'm going to bring healing. For the Israelites, it was healing in the land. It was regaining an understanding of their promised land. For us, it means that he's going to heal us. He's going to heal our body, our body of faith. We want him to bring healing to our nation. 
We want him to bring healing to this world in the midst of its corruption and its darkness. And we see those times of wonderful revival and spiritual awakening. But he says, here's how it's going to happen. But we understand that it's God's choice to do that. Because we come to him in transparency and do these four things, he says, I'm going to heal, I'm going to forgive your sins, I'm going to hear, I'm going to forgive your sins, and I'm going to heal, but it's going to be God's way, not the way we necessarily think it ought to be. But we need to start with us. It needs to be the people of God. Revival, it's primarily something good that God wants to do for his people. Uh, Psalm 51, verse 12, the first part, David said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's what he's asking us to do. Restore to me the joy of, my salva of your salvation. His salvation, at the time that we gave our life to Christ, should have changed us should have transformed us. As we go along life, we just kind of get, it, it's messy, it's, it's hard, it's not easy. There are decisions to make at every turn. They're hard decisions. You make hundreds, thousands of decisions as you go through life that actually have a huge part in developing who you are and who your family is and what you're going to be. And somewhere along the line, in all of the myriad of decisions you have to make, Sometimes we can lose the joy of God's salvation that he gave us. So when we come to church, we may not be as joyful. When we're at home, we may not be as joyful. When we're surrounded by our family, we may not be as joyful. And the list goes on and on because we've lost that spark. God, in the midst of revival, will help you to remember Again, the burden that was lifted when Jesus Christ came into your heart. Some of you will understand that more profoundly because you accepted Christ when you were an adult, after you had gone through some life. And some of us, we accepted Christ when we were a child. And so there wasn't that amazing Damascus Road type of experience. But no matter how it is, it's a time when we're revived that God... <coughs> will remind us. Do you, do you remember that time when you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember the transformation? Do you remember how close you were with God? How, how hey, you had this hunger and thirst for reading His Word, for, for spending time with Him? Well, let me tell you what, I remember that time, and even though I was six years old, I remember like I was floating on cloud nine. There was something that happened to me that changed me. And when I, when I come to this place of personal revival for myself, and I let God really speak to me boldly, and I allow his Holy Spirit to infill me, it helps me to recenter my focus upon God. Doesn't matter how many years that you've been a believer or how mature you are in your faith, there are times when we always have to refocus. Go back to the ground and say, man, I remember when I gave my life to Christ. and I remember experiencing the power of his spirit in my life where I actually was excited about going and telling people about what Christ had done for me. I was actually encouraging people to come with me and understand uh, what his word says and invite them to church. And that was something I just, I just wanted to do. 
Revival is the restoration of that joy that the psalmist part spoke of. The joy. And it is exclusive to believers. Also, we find that revival is energizing. The man read Psalm 85, verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Like a number of the Psalms, the 85th Psalm seems to fit the period of Israel's return from their exile. They have been far away in captivity. They have lost that joy. They come back from their exile and the city, their beloved city, is in ruins. The wall is torn down. It's not the glory days anymore. And so the psalmist says, will you not revive us again? It's a simple and wonderful prayer for revival. It recognizes that revival is not man-made. It only comes from God. We can't manufacture it. We can't schedule a time for it. It's given by God. And yet it also recognizes this verse that one may and should pray for revival and pray with a godly expectation. We pray for God to bring revival. God, won't you bring revival? We do it not with a negativity. We do it rather with joy. We do it with expectation. And we don't stop. We continue on. This prayer for revival implies that the people were once alive, but in a spiritual sense, they're now just a flickering flame. And now, they need to be given a spiritual movement to rekindle that flickering flame into something that is more like a bonfire. You can just imagine the people of Israel coming out of exile, coming back to Jerusalem, seeing all of the things that they're seeing in disarray and praying for God to bring back that understanding of his presence in that place. And that's what we want. We want an understanding that his presence is not just a flickering flame, but it is a bonfire in this place, in my life, and then in our body. This is what the church always needs and how revival comes, a reawakening. Revival is to re-energize something that has lost its power, to restore something that's been lost or set aside. Uh, a while back, I sat in a, a room with uh, about six or seven or eight uh, seniors, and uh, we were talking about various things, and I all of a sudden noticed that <clears throat> Every single one of us in that room, we had our cell phone out in front of us, and we weren't using them, well, unless somebody needed us. I thought, you know, a few years ago, that wasn't even a thing. We have become so attached to these cell phones, it's almost like an appendage. 
But today, we find that these are the kinds of things that help us with our calendaring, our communicating. We can find amazing things to do with them if we don't go in the black hole of just Googling things all the time. <laughs> well, what happens at the end of the day, because we use them for our activities and communication and information, but every single evening, this thing has got to be recharged. Why? Because the battery is dead, or almost dead. Is everybody understanding what I'm saying? Okay, all right, all right. That, in a sense, is what happens to us. We're very busy with our activities and our communication and our information. We're busy in life. And somewhere around the time frame, we begin to lose that sense we're just tired. We're just, we're just not ready for spiritual things. That's kind of down the list somewhere. And what revival does is it comes in and it recharges us. It helps us to come back with a full load to understand, okay, all of this is good, but I've got to stay attuned to the spiritual things of life. <coughs> the lost cannot be revived. They're dead. But revival is to kindle that bonfire where only that small flickering flame has been. And that's what the psalmist is saying. God, this is where we are. We are broken people. We're coming back from exile, and here we are with our city that's just broken. And they're depleted. And so he prays, will you not revive us again? For what reason? That your people may rejoice in you. We need to rejoice in the Lord. Living life with all of our difficulties and with all of the, the tough times that we face, health-wise or family-wise or otherwise, we still have to come back and rejoice in Him. But sometimes we're so low on our battery spiritually, we're not ready to do it. But we need to pray like the psalmist prayed. Praying for revival means that God's work among His people will cause them to find their joy that comes in nothing else but Him and Him alone. I don't care what you buy. I don't care what vacations you take. I don't care what kind of retirements you have. All of those things are great things, but if that's what you're anticipating your joy to be and end, then you're going to be disillusioned at some point because your joy comes in the Lord. That's when revival comes. So let me try to quickly finish. Revival is something that happens in the life of the believer. And secondly, revival is something that happens through believers. Acts chapter 2 talks about Pentecost. And I won't spend a lot of time on the second chapter of Acts, but I tell you what, when the power of the Holy Spirit came down upon that, all those people in the upper room... And they began to speak in tongues, languages of the many people who were in Jerusalem at that time. And they came running and God's spirit spoke through Peter and all the other disciples and they communicated the gospel. 3,000 people came to know Christ that day. And I'll tell you what, that same Holy Spirit that came down upon them and dwelt in them dwells in you as a believer. 
It's interesting that the early Christians around the late 3rd century going into mid-4th century said because of so many pagans that had come into the church through Constantine and other, other activities, they said, listen, the church is to have no contact with sin or sinners. So they began the monistic lifestyle and ultimately built the walls of monasteries. That is completely different than what Jesus modeled and commanded. He didn't say return and come into the fortress of the church. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place for us to gather to worship and to be trained and to be equipped to do the work and the ministry of this church whose head is God through Christ. But we are meant to go and be engaged with sinners and to communicate the gospel to the lost. That's who we are. That's what happened at Pentecost. That's what Jesus did constantly. You see, Jesus seeks people. He wanted the lost to come to him. He went out to seek them. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to Jesus. That's where you're going to get your rest. In Luke 14, 23, the scripture says, The master told the servant, Go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. That interesting word, compel. Compel means by every type of persuasion. We don't mean to repel people but sometimes as believers in Christ we do exactly that because of our coldness because of our lack of concern or because we're just self-focused we're just kind of getting our way focusing on us I was listening to uh, an interview the other day about this uh, Hollywood star that has just recently come to know Christ and uh, she said um, how that came about and she said, you know, I, I, I have not been involved in, in the church or Christianity uh, through my life. But I always had heard the things about the church, the negative things. And it repelled her until somebody personally spoke to her, gave her a Bible, invited her to church, and it has changed her entire life. And she didn't mind telling people. On her Twitter page, on, uh, on Instagram, she's out there communicating what God is doing in her life today. We don't mean to repel people. Sometimes the image of the church, because the church is pretty broad, right? <laughs> we, there are a lot of different denominations and a lot of different sects of the, uh, of the Christian church out there that are not garnishing good, good headlines. That's why it's so important for us to experience revival so that we can go and communicate one-on-one -on -one with people about what Jesus Christ wants. He wants them. He comes to seek them. Revival makes us appealing because we're on fire. <laughs> revival makes us that little flickering flame that, that, uh, that, that focuses our attention on us all of a sudden becomes a bonfire and that's gone now we're appealing now we're, we're excited about telling people listen all people are sacred to Jesus not just those who are perfect because there are no perfect people 
couple weeks ago, I talked about Cornelius and Peter's encounter, and Peter was praying on the, the rooftop, and he said, God, I've never eaten anything unclean, and, and the Lord said to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. He wants us to engage with the world, not take on their habits, but as revived people, rekindled people to share with compassionate care, to put our arms around people that are in need, that are hurting, that are in the darkness. Just as people are sacred to God, they've got to be sacred to us. God loves people. He wants them close to him. The Pharisees, if you remember, brought an adulterous woman to Jesus, expecting that, that uh, he would command that she be stoned. And instead, Jesus said, go now and leave your life of sin. He didn't judge her. He told her, this is what you've got to do. And if Jesus would not condemn people, well, who gives us the right to be the judge? We must not. We must love people like Jesus loved people. We must not just put labels in them and say we don't have anything to do with them. Jesus did. And if we are revived people, we're going to do what God wants us to do, what Jesus did. He sought sinners, and we've got to go out and allow that revival that happens to us to spill out with compassionate care in the gospel of Christ. Not only does Jesus seek people, he loves people. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus said that there's no one that has greater love than this. And yet, he's the one who went beyond. Why did he go beyond? Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not just his friends, the scripture says, but also his enemies. That's how much Jesus loves us. The idea is that people were his concern, and they've got to be our concern. We must never be like the person when asked years ago in a church. I asked somebody to visit, and they said, listen, preacher, they know where the church is. They can come when they want to. That is a cold heart. Revival is something that happens to believers, the body of Christ, to each one of us. But if it is true revival, it reaches through believers to the lost, who Jesus is seeking, seeking and loves. Adrian Rogers said, study the history of revival. God has always sent revival in the darkest days. Oh, for a mighty sweeping of revival today. And I would say amen to that. The darkest times. It's not a time to throw in the towel. It's a time to be excited that God is going to do something in these darkened days. As long as his people pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. As long as we want revival and we want it with us. And my prayer is that it will begin with you and me. Leonard Ravenhill, that amazing speaker and evangelist said maybe you are the key to revival in your church maybe it's you maybe it's you this morning 
maybe it's each one of us. Only we can search within our hearts to see if there's anything in there that is keeping God from bringing about a great revival. But if just, if just one or two or three of us let God so move in us to where that, uh, that nice fire turns into something much greater, then all of a sudden it attracts and brings more people in and the power of God's spirit begins to move mightily and change the hearts of people. And that revival moves into true revival, spiritual awakening, where the lost come to know him because we're revived. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, very specifically, I ask, I ask for revival in my own life. Because I know for me, sometimes things become more routine. Accomplishing each of the ministry tasks. God, that is not the same as your burning true revival. So engulfing me with the power of your spirit that I am on fire for you. And it may be true for some others here today. And I pray, God, that we will listen to your spirit today. And that we would desire and hunger and thirst for true revival in our own lives. And then, Father, in our body of faith here. And for it to spread. But today, I want it to start in me. And I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us. And whatever decisions need to be made, I pray today, publicly or in the pews, wherever we are, that God today will ask you to revive us again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation now. sign-up sheets for the movie lunch are still out in both lobbies. We're going to have pizza 
this time instead of Chick-fil-A. So that might lead some of you to sign up. But that will be a week from Thursday. We do need to know if you're planning to come for the lunch at 1230. Taking Chance is the movie which will be shown free of charge with popcorn and water at 1 o'clock. The flowers on the altar table today are very beautiful, are they not? They are put there to say thank you to two of our church officers, Brenda and Bill A. Freeman. Would both of you stand? Brenda serves as our church clerk, and Mr. Bill A., I've been instructed to address him as, Mr. Bill A. has served for many years as our statutory agent. We appreciate both of you very, very much. And by the way, Mr. Bill A. has been in choir for 25 years. Next Sunday, there will be a brief sharing by a member of Gideon's International. Don Carlson will be here to share about that ministry. Many of you have a real heart for that, placing Bibles throughout the world. So you will want to come and hear Don Carlson. On the back of your um, bulletin there, you will see other things going on in the next few weeks. Please pray for the choir as we are preparing the patriotic musical on June the 26th during the morning worship hour. We will be presenting the musical Sing America's Song and afterwards Hot Dog Cookout with all the fixings. Please begin to invite friends and neighbors. They are certainly welcome. As you stand now, we're going to be led in our closing prayer by Dr. Glenn Saul. Join me as we pray together. Heavenly Father, it's been good to be in your house today. We appreciate the word that has been shared. We appreciate the fellowship of our fellow believers. We are so blessed to be able to gather in this place and worship. But now, Father, our service begins as we leave this place. Our places in the world where we have opportunity to share the gospel. And I pray that we might be sensitive to your spirit and open to the opportunities that we have to bear witness. And now, Father, uh, I commit unto you these people. May the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his spirit go with you all. Amen. Amen.